Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. We are continuing the series on churchology, um, which is a made-up word that I made up, but I thought it sounded good. Um, it's not an actual word, but it's basically looking at the church, us as a church. Not just us, but the church. Why did God create the church? What was the whole reason behind it? And we've, over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at, at the purpose and the function of, but there are things that are foundational to the church that we must understand in order for us to be the church that Jesus is building. Because we could grow as a church, and, but if Jesus isn't building us, it won't last. You can grow a church by all kinds of stuff, but we want a church that Jesus builds, Amen. We want a church that God is using. We want a church that is, that is allowing the leader, the one who has, has, has laid his blood down or, or shed his blood for us, laid his life down for us to be the one who articulates who we are to be and what we are to accomplish. That's what all of us should do. Even in our personal lives, the scripture says that your body is not your own. You've been purchased with a price by the blood of Jesus. Same way with our church. And so we don't want to build a church around me. We don't want to build a church around an idea. We don't want to build a church around a denomination. We don't want to build a church around all kinds of, we want to build a church around what Jesus wants. Amen. And so as we lean into this, we are visiting these areas of the church that we want to respond to what Jesus has said, and we want to say yes to what he has for us to do. There are lots of ways and lots of things that, that churches kind of do their thing and, and, and become a church, but truly my heart and the, the leadership's heart is that we would be what Jesus wants us to be. We don't ask the past what we should be. We don't ask a man what we should be. We don't ask an idea, we don't ask a movement, we don't ask a foundation, we don't ask anyone what we're to be. We ask Jesus what he wants us to be, and then we respond to that. And so that is as we lean into this idea of the church that all of us are a part of. We need to understand that we are a part of a family. We are a part of, of what is called the family of God. It's important for us to understand that. It's so important for us to understand that. Matter of fact, Paul is writing Timothy who is pastoring a church and he reminds Timothy of what it means to be a church, what it means to be a family. And this is what he says out of 1 Timothy chapter 3. It says, I'm writing you these instructions so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household. Now, you need to understand, God saved you to be a part of a family, his household. That's what it means. So it looks like by the, by the scripture that there's a, a, a proper conduct, conduct. How, how, do they, how do they handle themselves? A lot of that has to do with our mentality and how we see what church really is, who we see we are, what is our purpose in the body of Christ. And so... Paul says, so that, you, so that you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God. So when God saved you, he called you to be a part of a church, a people, a family. 
And when all of us were born, yes, we were born into a family or born to parents or, or whatever that may be. But if you're a believer, you were, you were reborn into the family of God. You were reborn. In other words, you got a new family. You got a family that you are, a larger family that you are now a part of. And Paul calls the second family the church of the living God or the family of God. You're a part of a family. Everybody, everybody say, I'm family. We're family. We're family. Welcome to the family. Not the Godfather, welcome to the family, but something different. You're a part of a family. The Bible says that the moment that you receive Christ, receive what he has done for you, you became a part of his family. And how we go deeper in God's family is for us to be the church that he's called us to be, for us to, to understand what our purpose is, what our role is. This Sunday, I'm, I'm, I'm highlighting one of, the, one of the ways that we as a church become a tighter family. One of the ways that we, we, we become a, a church that, that actually functions as a family. We have a lot of room to grow, and we, we know that, and we acknowledge that, but we want to continue to be what God's called us to, to be. Next week, actually, we're launching our small groups, and it's a place for you to, to be a part, to be known, and to know someone else. And I, I, I want to talk about that a little bit today, but more, more I want to talk about what it means to be a part of a family, how we go deeper as a church. And one of the ways we do that, one of the ways we accomplish that is through smaller groups. We need each other. I need you and you need me. Whether I realize it or you realize it, that's the truth. And when God saves us, he brings us to be a part of a, of a church family. Not just a church, just the church and all I need is Jesus in my Bible. That is not what the scripture teaches. That everyone is to be Engaged in a part of a local church, that you would have a pastor, that you would have leaders, that, you would, that we, would, we would live our lives as a family together. That's what God's purpose is for you. Because we're American and we are independent, we think, I don't need anybody else but Jesus. That sounds good. Sounds American. Not biblical. We need a church. And the role of pastors and should be of churches is to serve the people, to serve you. When Jesus was laying out the purpose of the, of the church with the, with the disciples, he said this. He says, hey, listen, um, you're not to lead the church or lead people like the world does it. You're to actually be servants to the people and to serve them. So that was Jesus' role. So in other words, the greatest title and position in the kingdom of God is servant. And it's to serve the family. We are a family together. We need each other. And there, there are options for to grow um, together. And now listen, I know small groups don't always serve everybody. I, I understand that. Um, it's, it's difficult with all these types of, you know, family stuff that's going on. And if you got kids or depending on, on whatever's going on. But they, we, have, we have groups for finances. We have groups for relationships. All, all other kinds of groups. But it's more than that. It's about us as a family, allowing Jesus to build us by growing us as a family. It's the biblical model. It's the New Testament model. 
And it starts after Jesus rose from the dead and he gave the great commission and, and those following Jesus experience the Holy Spirit and the church was born. Your family matters. We matter, friends. My heart has often broke over the years when people have invested into the family of God. They know people and people know them and and within a moment, within something that goes wrong or, or something that goes a direction, doesn't have to be wrong or something that goes a direction they don't like or something, we change something, they hit the eject button on their family. It's important we understand that family matters. Family matters, we matter. And what I've seen is those who are What's happened to those, especially those who are older, when, you know, listen, things change. And they don't like change. And, and, and I understand. But you hit eject on a family that is there to serve you in your most vulnerable of times. And you hit eject, eject because you don't like something. No, 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 no. You are my family. I'm going to hunt you down whether you like it or not. You're my family. Don't do that. It matters. Imagine, would you, imagine me walking in and being like to my kids, hey, listen, I don't like what's going on. I'm going to go to another family. One, I have people in my life, they would slap me. But two, that's a failure of a family member. And so what is the whole heart behind being a family? Well, it starts in the book of Acts. God created a family. It says in Acts 5.52, it says, day after day, they met in temple courts and from house to house. What, is it, what does that matter today? Well, listen, you need a smaller group. You need people in a smaller group that know you. So the temple courts is the large gathering. The, the house to house is the small group ministry. It, it is, you need to be known by other people. And so, yes, the large gathering for us here is the place that we can worship and worship our incredible God and receive the same teaching, which is very important. We all receive the same teaching from the Word of God together as we take steps forward together, that we're all moving together. But, there's, but there's, there's more than just the gathering. This matters. It's biblical. Because not only do you need to gather with your family, you, kinda, you, 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 you need to get together and have a good time and receive the Word and experience the presence of God. Like even this morning, just the sweet presence of God. It's just peaceful. I'll tell you this, friends, I don't feel that any other place except for here with you. It's unique. Yes, I can sense God's presence. Yes, I can sense his peace. But there's something powerful that God does. He shows up when his family gets together. What I sense this morning, I only get by being with you. Isn't that something? You're pretty important. But the large gathering matters, but also you need to be known. You are sitting here and people don't know you. So you need to be known and you need to know others. That's what a family is. It'd be weird for me to walk in my house and my family would be like, who are you? You need to be known. Listen, we're living in a, in a paradox in our Western world. We're surrounded by people. We have friends online. We've got all kinds of stuff. And, you know, thousands of social media followers. But here's the truth. The latest report says that 40% of all people in the U.S. are close to, you know how many people? No one. 
They said, when they interviewed, they said no one. Four out of every 10 says, I, I'm close to no one. I don't really know anybody and nobody really knows me. That's not to be for the family of God. I don't want that for you and God brought you into his family because he didn't want that for you either. Turn and tell someone, we are family. Go ahead and tell them, we are family. God never intended for you to be alone. That's why he saved you. You're not supposed to face problems alone, difficulties alone, your tragedies alone. Though, though church, church has morphed into the place where you gotta, you gotta put, come on, come on, put your, put your good face on. Don't let, them, don't let them know what's going on. That is not the family of God. You're not meant to face tragedies alone. You're not meant to face loss and pain and, and, and mourning alone. You're not, you're not meant to, to grieve the loss of a loved one alone. You're not meant to do it. That's why God set you in a family. You're not meant to carry the pressures by yourself. You're not, you're, you're not, you're not meant to, to work through your own mental health issues and emotional stuff or addiction and, and, and brokenness or abuse. Or You're not meant to do it alone. That's why he put you in a family. Matter of fact, the very first thing that God said when he made man was this. Look at this out of Genesis. The Lord God said, it's not good that man should be alone. Let me ask you a question. Was Adam alone? He had God. Was God not enough for Adam? I mean, he's perfect. God's perfect. Never cranky. Doesn't ever wake up on the wrong side of the bed. Is never emotionally unstable. I'm just describing myself right now. So it's, I'm just... God's perfect in, his, in everything about him. But Adam's still alone? Isn't that interesting? Because we were created to be in a family. God's creating a family. And so the first thing the Bible addresses and God fixes in the Bible is not sin. It's aloneness. That's what he fixes. So this, I use this passage a lot for, for marriage and all kinds of stuff, but this, this is not about marriage. It's about you need people in your life. You need relationships. And when Jesus said that he will build his church, this is one of the things he had in mind. He's creating a family. He creates a family. We need to be there for each other. The church Jesus is building is aware of their need for one another. This is hard. This is tough for us Americans because we don't like to need anybody. Yeah, yeah, I go to church. I don't need the church. Yeah, I, I, I go, but I'm, I'm, I don't need it, really. I mean, I got YouTube. I can watch stuff all, all day long and watch. I get my spiritual food through. Here's the problem. That's not what God designed. You're living a life that is not biblical. Everyone needs a family. You need a family. The family needs you. You need a church family. 
You need, you need to know that someone's for you and cheering you on and with you, regardless of you, of you stumbling or falling or, or even being cranky, getting up on the wrong side of the bed. Listen, I've met some of you. Some of you have woken up on the wrong side of the bed and come to church. I've met you and talked to you. He's like, Baron, I'll be talking about me. My like, golly. Listen, I, it's life. It's family. You ever sat down at a kitchen table in the morning with a cup of coffee and here, I'll just, I'll just speak from my, my end here. My wife says, you're doing okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Are you? Yeah, I just woke up. I know. Are you mad? I don't think so. Why are you asking me? Leave me alone. You're cranky. It's life. It's family. She doesn't say, well, you're cranky. I'm out of here. Thank God. Because she would have had multiple times to do that. But that's fa- family is like, well, you are cranky. Anyway, maybe another cup of coffee would help you. It's about, we need to grow together. It's okay. Church should be a place that you are received and accepted as your church family, that you hold one thing in, in common, and that is the lordship of Jesus Christ over your life. That's what is, it is to be, and you are submitted together to one another. The church Jesus is building is aware of their need for each other. So smaller groups, which is my first point here, smaller groups reminds us that we're a part of the family of God. This is powerful. Paul's reminding Christians that God has called us to be a part of a family. Look at 2 Corinthians. This is what he says. I will, he's speaking God, so he takes what God spoke of the Old Testament and he's giving it to the church in Corinth. I will be a father to you and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Family matters to God. This isn't about, oh no, we'll be a family when when we go to heaven. No, no, he's created us to be a family now. When you remember you're a part of a family, you don't give up on your family easily. You don't, you, you don't, you don't hit eject when someone is cranky. You don't hit eject when, when something happens. You don't hit eject on a, on a family and a, and a group of people that you've invested into. You don't do it because you're a part of a family. You must remember you're part of a family. Come on, say, I'm family. This is what God's called us to be a part of. When, you're, when you know and recognize that, wait a minute, wait a minute, I'm a, I, we have a father and I'm a son and, or I'm a daughter, I'm a family. That means there's a sense of care. There, there's a sense of taking care of one another. That's what a family does. We take care of each other. And for us, yes, our, our smaller groups are, are to help create more relaxed atmosphere and have conversations, ask questions, and to pray for one another. And this really matters. People come to church for all kinds of reasons. They do. All kinds. It could be the pastor, the music, the children's ministry, the could be the coffee, could be the lights, could be the the the, the building, could they all kinds of stuff. But they stay because they are in relationships and feel like they're a part of a family. Listen, you don't have to know everybody at church, but you need to know somebody. You might think, no, Jason, I don't, man. I, I don't. I'm good. I, I don't need to know nobody. I come. I, I'm, I'm just fine. That's actually not true. You're not. Ecclesiastes says this in chapter 4. 
It says, two people are better than one. For they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. In real trouble. If you're married today, listen, you need more than your spouse. You need another couple in your life. You need someone else in your, in your life. And you as a family, you as a couple need somebody in your life. This is, this is about, this is describing church family. Paul also describes what a church family is like out of Romans. He says this, rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. This is what a family looks like. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Listen, something good happens to you? Come on, that's awesome. You're hurting, oh, I'm mourning with you. When you have a loss, we feel that loss. When something good happens to your kid, we celebrate. We don't say, yeah, but it didn't happen to my kid, so I'm not going to rejoice with you. That's not family. It's not family. One of your, out of a family, one of your kids gets a scholarship and the other kid's like, well, I don't, I, I don't care. I didn't get a scholarship. That's not family. That's selfishness. God's family is to rejoice when you rejoice, to weep when you weep, to mourn when you mourn, to hold you while you are crushed, when you are betrayed, when you are hurt, when you are struggling. That's what family does. Hey, I'm here for you. Come on, put on a, a pot of coffee. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna get through this together. I'm going to drink a couple of tears running down your face. It doesn't escape and say, you deal with your stuff. I'm out of here. This makes me uncomfortable. No, it leans in and says, come on, I'm here with you. We're family. That's what a family is. You need that in your life. Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians, he's describing church life. He says, listen, if one part suffers, all parts suffer. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Wow. Wouldn't this be great? What would a church look like that does this? That actually embraces the reality. We're living in one of the most divisive times in history in the local church. Right now. Over the last two years, it's been, it's been horrific as far as division. What if we actually allowed the father of our family to set the guidelines of what families are supposed to be? What would that look like? When you're suffering, we all feel it. When you're rejoicing, we all feel it. When you're glad, we all feel it. What would that look like? That's what God's called us to be. When you're, when you're concerned, when you're, I'm just going to get real practical. When you're concerned about people not wearing masks, we... Others, under, I understand that. We may not agree, I understand. Or when you're concerned that others are wearing masks, we, we, I, I understand that. When you're concerned about a vaccine and this or this, I, listen, listen, listen. If one person suffers, we all suffer. Family doesn't allow the silly things to divide us. We stay in it. We could disagree and we can laugh and we can joke about disagreeing, but we're family. We're family. 
We need to remember that, church. And God is our Father, and Jesus is our leader. We're family. Listen, being a part of a smaller group allows for care to be given and received in your life. During COVID, you know the people who received the best care in this church were those who were a part of smaller groups. Who received groceries and prayer support and encouragement. The church Jesus is building is the church that takes family seriously. These smaller groups, you know, yes, they, they didn't, the, the church in the book of Acts, they didn't have all these different things that they could go to. They didn't have the buildings, they didn't have the atrium, they didn't have all this kind of stuff. They met together in homes in smaller groups. But look at what it says. They shared with anyone who was in need. This wasn't, they, this, this is not a promotion of socialism. This is a promotion of being a family. Be a family. Take care of one another. They met each other's needs in the smaller groups. People need to know you. The beautiful thing that during the lockdowns here and different people were getting sick and different people were struggling, not only did the small group rally together to take care of one another, but they mobilized to take care of others in the church. Everyone was, was concerned. Naturally so, rightfully concerned with our, the older and the older congregation and those who were vulnerable. And you, you know what we did? We were able to pull a list of those who fall within that category. And yes, we have a list of you, just so you're aware. But we pulled a list and we were able to say, these people fall in a certain age. We assigned those people in our congregation to a small group. And they had people who would call them once a week and make sure they're doing okay and pray for them and let you know, hey, I'm, I'm with you. Do you need anything? Can we serve you? And it was, hey, the small group is with you. Hey, I mean, they were adopting people in the church that needed to be adopted and they were taking care of them. That's a family. And I'm so proud of us for what we did and what we're still doing. We pr they prayed for people. They listen. This is what a smaller group does. Now listen, you don't have to be a part of an official small group to do that, but you need other people in your life. We are responsible to take care of everyone as a family. The smaller groups help do that. They're a very integral part about who we are as a church. They, to receive care and to give care comes through these smaller groups. Now please, please hear my heart. This is... I, I want no one to feel guilty or feel like I can't be in this. It's okay. That's life. I get it. I'm just wanting you to understand the heart of who we are. In our growth track, which is part of our membership here, we ask those becoming a part of the church that they would make a commitment. Make a commitment to not gossip. Make a commitment to to invest into this family, to be a part of this family, to be faithful to this family, to one another. Also, as the leaders, we make a commitment to you that we also are going to be faithful. We also are going to serve you. We also are going to do our best to lead. We also, we, we, it's a, this is not a one-sided thing. This is we together as a family because we believe in family. And also this idea of smaller groups, kind of what's the purpose of them? Well, small groups help you become more mature also in your faith. They actually help you grow. 
When we gather here as a whole church between two services, it's great, it's awesome, we get strengthened together, we worship, uh, we receive the word together. It's, it's, it's great. And, I, and like I said earlier, I, 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 this, this doesn't happen unless we're all together. And this gather, it's biblical. We, we need to gather. And the small group is not to replace, though, or smaller group is not to replace what happens in the larger group because it didn't in the book of Acts and it's not to now. It's a smaller groups are to supplement, to bring maturity in our lives as a church family as we work through the word of God and, and, and that we are known and, and also know other people and can serve. Maturity comes through as you love and serve people. When you study the word of God in smaller groups, or you're, you're able to have dialogue for application, life change, we grow in maturity. So in, in church culture, and I'm sure some of you will be aware of this, over the last several years, there have been a great misunderstanding of what it means to become mature through the word of God. Great misunderstanding. Over the past many years, and you know, I've grown up in church culture, I've been around it, I've heard this language that I'm going to share with you in just a moment. It's the verbiage that came up in churches, and, and, and maybe some of us have even said it. They, 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 it's this, it's, you know what, I want the meat of the word, not the milk. So people say that. Or they say, yeah, I want to move from the milk of the word to the meat. Now, this is in the context of what it means to be mature. And listen, I understand the heart of that. I understand what people are saying. They're saying, listen, I, you know, I, I, I understand the heart of it. But for the most, most of the times, many times, it's not a statement of I want to be transformed by the word of God. It really means I want information that I've never heard before. I want to know information I've never heard before. That's, that's the meat. That's, that's what that really means. That is not the biblical understanding. Because people say, I don't want the milk, I want the meat. Well, but Peter said this in, in chapter 2 of 1 Peter, like newborns, babies long for the pure milk of the word, so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation, not grow to be saved in respect to, to understand you are saved. So what does that mean in my life now? In respect, in, in, in honor of our salvation, we're to grow with the milk, the pure milk. So this term isn't a negative it's an ongoing process that we are to come to the purity of the word of God. He's speaking in this general idea about the word of God that it, we're, to, we're to come to the purity of it. The function is essential in the diet of a believer. Just like a baby who wants milk. I remember feeding our kids. Man, they, they scream. You put a bottle in and they just like, nah, rah, like, they breathe hard while they're drinking the milk. I mean, they're, they're like passionate about it. What he's saying is you are to be as passionate about the word and to allow it to change your life as a baby is for a bottle of milk. That's what Peter's saying. To take it, to have it, to receive it. Not to say, mm, ah, that's milk. No, 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 no. So milk here is a positive. But then Paul says in Corinthians that he had to feed the church with milk because they weren't maturing. So what is this whole thing of milk and meat? And 1 Corinthians says this. This is what Paul says. He says, well, listen, I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger and you still aren't ready. Now look, watch, watch this. For you are still controlled by your sinful nature. 
Well, what does it look like? Well, you're jealous of one another. You quarrel with one another. Doesn't that prove that you are controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? So this whole idea is not about milk and meat that we use a lot in our church because we want to look spiritual or we want to hear things we've never heard before. It's about transformation. So what does, what, why, what's this maturity he's speaking about? You know what it is? How did he know they weren't maturing, they weren't growing up? Because they were still controlled by the flesh. You see, the meat or the solid food that's in the word of God is not about new ideas. It's not about deep insights. Though that's not wrong. The biblical definition of meat of the word is this. Now catch this. It is that which produces change. So if the gospel of Jesus Christ produces change in you, every time you hear it, every time you remember what Jesus has done and produces change, that's meat. That's meat. Biblical meat is, now listen, is not new information that we've never heard before. It's that which cuts us to the heart and we grow and we, we mature by what? By not quarreling. That family is a mature family. We're not quarreling. We stop gossiping. We stop being prideful. We don't allow non-essential things to divide us. We stop having bad attitudes. We stop pulling other people down. We start being other people's champions. We start rooting for your kid. We start rooting for, for other people. We're loving. We're joyful. We're peaceful. We're patient. We're kind. We're faithful. We're loyal, we're gentle, we're self-controlled. That's what maturity is. That's what the meat of the word does. That's when you respond to the word. It transforms your life. Listen, we know this. You can, you can know the Bible but not apply it to your life. You can be a Christian for 30 years and still be cranky and nasty and gossip and and complain and murmur and mistrust and then say, I'm mature. No, you're not. You are demonstrating your immaturity because maturity, what Paul just wrote, maturity is you don't quarrel, you don't fight, you don't complain. You are joyful, you are peaceful. Maturity is not measured nor produced by the type of information you receive from the word. It is measured, now hear me, it's measured and produced by how you are allowing the information to conform your life into the image of Christ. That's maturity. And I am, I am very open and very aware. I haven't arrived yet. Just because I know things about the Bible because I've studied it, doesn't mean I am allowing it to, 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 it's gone to the place which it needs to go. It doesn't mean that. Maturity is not measured in one's life by the amount of the word of God or facts or figures that they know. But it is measured by how they allow the word of God to transform them. Maturity comes when we now listen to me, prefer the word of God. We come to the word of God to change us instead of 
entertain us. We come to the word of God to allow it to change us, not entertain us. When we hear the word of God preached, we don't leave and think, well, it was okay. We think, Lord, how do you want to change me with what I heard from the word of God today? This is the heart. This is what, this is what maturity really is. This is what maturity is about. Listen, this is, this is one of these core issues for me as a, as a pastor and in my own life. Um, these, these aspects of our emotions and our flesh, of complaining and negativity and all, all these types of things. For us as a staff, those are on our staff who are, who are, who are leading and in different roles. What matters to me is about what fruit do I see in their life? Are they always criticizing? Are they always kind of have a chip on their shoulder? They're always finding something, or they're always criticizing somebody else, or they're annoyed about things. Those people don't get promoted. Those people don't get more responsibility. Actually, they get less. Those who, who say, Lord, I, I, I want to I wanna grow and mature, and I can see it in their hearts and our leaders, and we're encouraging each other. They're self-controlled. They're peaceful. They're patient. Those are the people that God will entrust with more because it demonstrates their maturity. Fourth thing about what it means to be a family, and I mean smaller groups, is small group is a place to find allies. Listen, we don't need any more adversaries. Amen? We should not find adversaries at church. <laughs> we should find allies as we meet together in smaller groups. Listen, you're going to fail at times. You are. You need to know that you have people who are there for you, who are there with you, you're going to blow it at some point. It could be at work. It could be at home. It could be with your spouse, with your kids. And the enemy wants you to think that your, your mistake is your identity. But allies rally around you when you need them. They say, hey, listen, I'm here with you. Hey, hang on a second. I know you fell, but this isn't who you are. I know you. And I'm going to stand with you. I'm going to, I'm going to get under you. I'm going to strengthen you. I'm going to help you through this. I'm going to be with you. I, listen, I know you're going through a tough time, but I'm here. I'm your ally. When you can't fight, I will fight for you. We are family. That's what family does. Ephesians 4 says this, and again, describing family life. Let everything you say be good and helpful. So that your words will be an encouragement to, the, to those who hear them. That's what a mature believer does when they open their mouth. They encourage. They encourage. We don't need any, any uh, listen, we don't need anyone else cutting us down. In other words, I don't say what I need. I say what other people need to hear. So listen, this whole idea, well, listen, I just, need to, I just need to say something. No, you don't. You, you don't. Well, I'm really bothered. I just need to tell you about something. No, no, you don't, actually. You don't. It's okay to not say what you feel like you need to say. It's okay. It's all right. Listen, I'm not saying that we don't, we don't, we don't need feedback. I'm not saying we don't need, you know, people shaping our lives. with. Yes, we do, absolutely. But it's because we trust them because they're encouraging to us. 
Listen, when we get, um, when, when people have, when people come to me and say, hey, listen, there's some people saying, first I want to know who are the people. Why? Because um, it matters, and I'll, I'll tell you this, it matters who says it over what is said. It matters who says it over what is said. Because if it's a person who's always complaining, well, of course they're complaining. They always do. Of course they don't like it. They don't like anything. Of course they find something wrong because they find something wrong with everything. So, so if they say, well, I, I'm concerned, who is it? Oh, it's so-and-so. Oh, I, that's fine. I don't care. <laughs> they always find something wrong. But I tell you what. If some of you that I know comes to me and says, Jason, I just, I'm concerned about something. Guess what? I'm going to listen. I'm going I'm to lean in because I know your heart. Because I know, I know you actually care. I know it's just not what you do. Listen, we've got to get this negativity, this critical, always finding something wrong, always. Listen, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. You've got to stop it. It's, it. Let me tell you, it's destroying your family. It's destroying relationships. And there, there are decisions that me and my family make, particularly, at, you know, in this role, that we just don't hang out with people sometimes. Not all people, just some people. And you're like, dang, Jason, nobody. No, there's certain people that, why? Because all they do is just complain, 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 complain. Listen, I love you, but I'm not, I'm not going to let that in my brain. I'm not doing that. But when, when Pastor Jim comes to me and says, you want to hang out? Yes. When Brad comes to me, you want to hang? yeah, I'll hang out. Why? Because we're going to encourage each other. We're going to strengthen each other. Because somebody cares, and they want to they want to hang out. Well, that's called maturity. And so we need to get this whole idea that that our job is to make sure that everybody knows what's wrong. Stop it. How about try to lift somebody up? How about follow the Bible? How about stop responding out of your immaturity of being critical and quarreling and stop it, knock it off. Allow the Word of God to transform you and let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. That's family. When we first got married, I was an idiot, by the way. My wife would be like, no, you weren't. He was. So anyway, I was, I'm, I'm, I'm passionate. I have very strong convictions and, you know, all this kind of stuff. Well, I just thought, hey, I'm a husband and I should just tell Cheryl what, uh, what she's doing wrong all the time. That's going to encourage her. <laughs> You're laughing because you probably tried it. It doesn't encourage anybody, does it? And so, do, do, you, know, do you know what I felt? Her heart was getting further away from me. And so when we had a conversation, you know what she told me? She said, I, I just feel like nothing I do is right. Well, yeah, babe. You, yeah, yeah. No, I know. I'm not meaning. I, I'm sorry. I, I didn't. And she says this, can you tell me the last time you encouraged me? No. Friends, People don't need your opinions or advice. They need your encouragement. 
encourage people. Lift them up. We are, we are at a, a moment in, in history that encouragement is the greatest thing that's missing in the body of Christ. Think about what you say. Is it lifting up or is it tearing down? Does it strengthen or does it weaken? Think about what you're saying about your own family, your own church, your own family, here, church family, about maybe your pastors or maybe your friends. And if the words out of your mouth are not encouraging, then stop talking. Receive that as a gift from me today to you. Stop talking. Lift up. Lift up. We surround, here on staff, we want people around us who are encouraging, lifting up, believing the best, going after people who are like, I don't like anything. Guess what? They go away. Because you deserve better. The ministry deserves the best. Deserves people who lift up, encourage, who read the Bible to figure out how they're to live their lives. You deserve better. You deserve encouragement. You deserve strengthening. I love you. You're my family. We family. We're family. We need to be allies. We need to speak what others need to hear, not what I need to hear myself speak. That's just prideful and arrogant, and it is an absolute demonstration of your immaturity. Fruit of the Spirit. I'm not saying we don't address things. I'm not saying we don't have real conversations where iron sharpens iron. Yes, we do, but we need to be an encouragement. You need to be an ally of someone and rally around them to speak. Just tell them what they need to hear. Listen, you're called of God. I know you fell. I know you stumbled. Hey, listen, I know this is a tough season, but you're going to get through it. I'm with you. I'm praying for you. Hey, listen, I know, I know there's a lot of pressure, but I'm, I'm standing with you. People I, I have the privilege of working with always encourage. I get texts from Pastor Mark. Hey, man, just grateful, love you. Appreciate you and your leadership. I'm so encouraged by this. Oh, it just lifts me up. Evan texts me. Evan leaves me little notes on my desk every once in a while. And, and I'm having a hard time reading his handwriting, but I know what they say. No, just kidding. Pastor Jim, we're, we're encouraging one another. Why? Because we are desperate for encouragement. Talk with Andrew, superintendent of our school. And, hey, Andrew, I'm with you. I'm for you. I'm standing with you. Come on, we got this. We're going to keep moving forward. And, you know, hey, listen, God entrusted this season with us. So lucky us. Come on, we're going to do it. We can do it. You can do it. Encouragement, friends. Encouragement. The family of God encourages, lifts up, doesn't tear down. Your family culture needs to lift up, not tear down. Just imagine if, if all I did every time I was around you, Tim, I told you all the time what you did wrong. I just keep telling you, keep telling you, keep telling you. Hey, Tim, you want to grab coffee? No, I'm good. I'm good. But if I say, hey, Tim, listen, I believe in you. I believe in you. You're a man of God. Are you perfect? No. But you're making progress. So am I. 
I believe in you. Keep pressing on. Don't quit. I look with people in our church family and I, hey, listen, you fell, you stumbled. Listen, that's not who you are. I believe in you. I believe in you. Friends, can we not act like the world and start acting like believers in a family? That's what God wants. That's what he's calling us to be. I believe in the word of God. I believe people need encouragement. The enemy wants to destroy you, wants to rip your heart out. And that's not an exaggeration. He wants to rip your heart out. But God set you in a family. I believe in the family. I believe in the gospel. I believe that this, the word of God, I almost fell at a family moment. I believe, <laughs> I, I believe that, that no matter where you are, where you've come from, no matter, no matter how your past is, your brokenness, your failure now, or your discouragement, or your mental health, or your physical health, I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this church will be a place where you are a part of it. You're my family. We're going to encourage you. We're not, when you stumble and fall, we're not going to put you aside and say, well, we don't want the... No, what, what are you talking about? The gospel. I believe in the gospel. I believe in restoration. I believe in healing. I believe in encouragement. I believe in mourning when people mourn. I believe in, in rejoicing when people rejoice. We're not going to be this place that hurting broken people don't walk into because they're going to get discouraged. We're going to be a place where we encourage. I believe in the family of God. We need to be encouraging. Ecclesiastes 4 says this, a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord is not easily broken. Listen, friends, we're a family. That's what Jesus wants us to be. I, I, I'll end with this story. I wanted to stop shorter, but when I was a youth pastor here, this precious, precious girl, we're friends with her today, and love her, love her to death. She, uh, she made a mistake. She had sex with her boyfriend, and she became pregnant. Very, very godly family, just like many of your families. She made a mistake. First time she had sex, this is true, she got pregnant. And her family found out and she found out. And in the moment of chaos, in the moment of pain, we said, listen, we're here for you. You're not doing this alone. We're going to walk with you. Why? Because I believe in the gospel. Because I actually believe in the Bible. Because the church is to be a place where people who stumble and fall can actually be encouraged to keep going. The righteous, though they fall, they get up and keep going. Why? Because they have a family cheering them on behind them. I remember my, my wife, who's so good at these types of things, held this precious girl as she wept. She says, listen, you still have a purpose. You still have a call. God's good. 
God's hands on this baby. I know this is a result of, of a, a sin, but God is the God of redemption. God's the God. And you, well, you know, let's, let's, just, let's just put them, put them somewhere else and so no one can see them. I mean, what are people going to think? Who cares? What does God think? I'm going to obey him. I'm going to respond to him. I'm going to encourage, lift up, strengthen them, help them see themselves who God sees them. That's your job as the family. Listen, the enemy doesn't need to do a whole lot in the church. We're doing it for them. Knock it off. Encourage people. Lift them up. Strengthen them. And you will see God's blessing in your life. I love you, friends. Listen, we have small groups that you can get on this week. You can look at it. You can take a look at what's going on. We'll be launching them next Sunday. You can get on. We have in-person groups. We have online groups. We have stuff for for that are in homes. We have stuff that's here, stuff that meets at coffee shops, Bible studies, financial freedom groups, divorce recovery, bereavement groups, young couples. We have, we have groups for, for those who have a member of their family is, is, is they would call themselves a part of the LGBTQ community. We have, we have groups to help parents navigate that this, this crazy water that we're in and keep the gospel central but keep truth central. We, we have all of that and it's to serve you because you need a family. Amen? Turn and tell someone I'm your family. Come on. Tell them I'm your family. You're like, I don't know if I like them. And then someone tell me to shut up and let's move on, okay? All right, let's all stand to our feet. Listen, I love you guys. You're a part of my life. The church that Jesus is building is a church that's committed to being a family. Amen? I'm with you. I'm for you. And so is God. Together, we will continue to be what he's called us to be. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your goodness and your mercy in our lives. God, we make this commitment today that we want to be a church that you're building. We want to be a church that you are in the midst of. We want to be a church that honors you who actually purchased us. But God, today we make a commitment that we're going to be the family that you called us to be, that we're going to be gospel-centric. We're going to be anchored to the Word of God. We're not going to be people who tear each other down. We're going to be people who lift each other up. Lord, today we make a commitment. We're going to be the most encouraging family, encouraging church we've ever heard of. Even as Pastor Nathan, we're going to be the most encouraging church in all of the universe. God, may we lean into that. May we champion one another. May we trust your heart. May we continue to grow. God, this week as we pray about what you want us to do, God, may you just show us if, there's a, if it's time for us to be in a group or if it's, there's a group that's going to work for us. God, just help us be open so that we would grow together in smaller groups and be a family. Lord, I pray for my family. If you can, just take the hand of the person to the left and right of you right now. Just right where you are. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless our family. Bless our church family. May you strengthen us. May you encourage us. May we be each other's champions. May we be each other's 
cheerleaders. When we fall, God, may you strengthen us with the person to the left and the right of me. When they fall or stumble, may we strengthen them. Lord, we love you and we thank you for who you are. Won't you lead us and guide us?